Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and today I'm joined yet again with Flex. Shane, all of his links are down below in the description, as well as their podcast. It is very good. I listen to it every single week. I mean, I've said this a million times on the video. Let's get right into it. The first guy we're talking about here is Cameron Akers. He played 11 games this year, probably from carrying the whole team on his back. 261 touches, 231 rushes, over 1,100 rush yards, 14 rushing touchdowns. He had 36 targets, 30 catches, 218 total receiving yards, four touchdowns. This guy is just a beast. The first thing I want to bring up here is, do you think that he is the best blocker on the Florida State team? Because it seems like he was best blocker on the Florida State team I think that's hilarious because you know when you compare him to the other guys like context matters right especially when you're trying to um, really dissect these top prospects and he had the 115th ranked offensive line according to FF Outsiders you compare that to a guy like uh, JK Dobbins who had the eighth ranked it makes a big ass difference when you're getting almost a full yard before contact Um, so yeah it's tough it's tough for a guy like Cam Akers yeah, it's tough when your offensive line just doesn't even work. It's like the Red Sea just splits, you know? It's just wide open for Moses and oh, the defense. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's embarrassing. It's, but Karen Akers literally performed so well with the worst line I've probably ever seen. I mean, like, people say that these NFL lines are bad. They don't do anything. The Cam Akers, it was just one versus the whole other team. It was just him versus the, the opposing team because he had no one to block for him, and he still got over 1,000 yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. So I talk about this, we've talked about this in every single video, but do you like his catching game, his receiving game? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, I would argue the Cam Makers was by far the best player on that team, and you saw it because they tried to get him involved. I mean, just like we talked about some of these other top prospects, other than like a Jonathan Taylor, you saw that he lined up probably three, four, five times in a game as a wide receiver. and again, it's not so much that they would necessarily always pass him the ball in those situations, but the fact that they needed to have, say, like a linebacker um, go and cover him and be aware of him out of the backfield because he did have the ability to catch the ball, it definitely makes a difference. And, you know, I think one of the biggest knocks on a guy like Cam Makers relative to those other top players is because he didn't play on a team that was as good some of his general again i always like to call it just general accounting stats aren't quite as good right like you look at a yards per carry metric and that's that's a pretty generally a pretty good indication of um a running back's efficiency and at the college level you generally want a guy who's at least right around that five yards per carry um mm-hmm. cam makers is just below that at 4.96 but then you know you go back to the fact of okay if guys like Swift or J.K. Dobbins are getting that extra half of a yard to a full yard before contact, then you can just maybe add on half a yard or a full yard. And that puts them pretty much in the same conversation as those other players. So you wonder what he can do if he's actually on a competent NFL team. Yeah, like imagine if Cam Akers had Mr. Dobbins' line or if he had Swift's line. Like he would be amazing. Yeah. So that you obviously Absolutely. have to – keep that into effect now where do you think acres goes in the real nfl draft because this is obviously huge for acres stock in dynasty so if he goes in the first or second round typically that's where you look for your running back to go for them to have value within this year say for like redraft purposes but where do you think he goes do you think he's a day two pick or do you think he he falls out and goes day three to be honest, I would be shocked if he fell out of day two. I don't think he's a first round pick. I don't think he's going to be a day one pick. I don't think he's that level of talent. Um, 
for the most part, and you know, you, you talk about rational coaching in the NFL, ra- rational GMs in the NFL, it doesn't always translate to real life, but um, these, these teams, unless there's um, an elite prospect like a Jonathan Taylor, for the most part, they don't take running backs in the first round of the draft. Yeah. Um, so then you're probably looking at a day two, right? So day two is obviously rounds two and rounds three. I could mm-hmm. see Cam Akers simply because I think round two is going to be the round of the wide receiver because there's so many good wide receivers. Yeah. I can see Cam Akers probably going mid to late second round or more likely early third round, um, mm-hmm. which again, still a day two pick. So that, that definitely matters. Okay. Now Cam Akers out of all of the guys we have done videos on, we did Swift, Dobbins, Taylor, all down below in the description. He is the youngest of them all. We talked about this in the last video. The age mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. He's like six months younger than all these other guys. So that does not matter. But his <laughs> breakout age is actually yeah. the youngest out of all of these running backs at 18 point two we talked about this in the last video about breakout age but just recap it real quick why do you think it is so important that he broke out at such a young age look breakout age is important because it means that he's on the field in order to break out and that means his coaches trust him so in a in a situation like cam makers of florida state he does not he was not on the best team so the fact that he was able to break out at such a young age it matters because you want to cons- you want to see these guys get better so if they break out at a younger age, it means that for the next couple of years in college, you're going to continue to get more and more usage. And if they get more and more usage, they continue to show consistently that they can probably translate that to the NFL level. Yeah. Um, the problem is with a, with a 16 game season, maybe 17 game season, eventually in the NFL, we're naturally stuck with a small sample size, mm-hmm. right? So if you only break out in say your senior year in college, you don't know because that three-year, four-year college career is now only down to one year of, of data. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of consistency. Um, NFL teams, they're essentially they're investing in these players. And if they're going to invest a high-round draft capital pick, a day two pick in one of these guys, they need to know that their skills in college are going to translate over to the NFL. So the fact that he's got a young breakout age, it means that he's been productive for a number of years in college. It means that it should and it could translate into the NFL. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, his 40 time at the combine was 4.47. So pretty normal for a guy that you think is going to be very good in yep. the NFL. I mean, Taylor was around there. Taylor was a whole millisecond faster, but DeAndre Swift and him were very close together. So I think that that speed is obviously going to be very important for the NFL. He did not somehow falter and do something that we completely thought that he was not going to do. Everyone assumed he would run fast. And he yep. did. Now, you're compared him to Marlon Mack. Why is that? Well, okay. So I guess I should say the, be- like the way that we compare these players is based off of their, their, um, their metrics at the combine. It's, it's comparable players in terms of their, um, their size, their speed, mm-hmm. um, their, their vertical jumps or broad jumps and that sort of thing. So he does test out as a guy like Mar- Marlon Mack. And to be honest, like Marlon Mack is a productive running back in the NFL. But one of the reasons that he really isn't in the conversation is one of these top, call it top 10 running backs, is simply because he doesn't really catch the ball. Yeah. A guy like Cam Akers has shown that he knows how to catch the ball. Um, and I bet you, you know, we, we wanted not to get off on a tangent with a guy like Marlon Mack, but he might be a guy that you could probably get pretty good value on if you're picking him up in the fourth round of your draft. Because with a, with a quarterback like Phillip Rivers who likes to throw to the running back, that immediately is going to give him a little bit of a jolt um, in terms mm-hmm. of fantasy production. So how that compares to a guy like Cam Akers is, again, if he gets into the right situation where, like, hell, if Cam Akers was to go to a team like Tampa Bay, 
and he's shown that he could touch the ball. Um, Ronald Jones is, he's meh at best, right? He's terrible. Well, and and one of the biggest problems with with Ronald Jones is that he absolutely, he's absolute garbage in the pass game. Um, Mm. Sorry, in terms of like pass blocking, right? Yeah. So Cam Akers is 217 pounds. Um, He's got a BMI of 31.1, which means he's a thick mofo. And he's actually a pretty good pass blocker. So you, you add into the fact that you've got a quarterback like a Tom Brady who likes to throw to his running backs. If Cam Akers is going to end up in a situation like Tampa Bay, um, we talked about uh, J.K. Dobbins could be in consideration for the 1.2. I would argue if Cam Akers was drafted by Tampa Bay, I'm probably drafting him at the 1.2 because he's shown that he can be productive on a shitty team. Um, he's shown that he can pass block. He's shown that he can catch the ball. So he's kind of the complete package. Um, and he's got a 39.8% dom- college dominator rating. We talked about 40% is kind of that elite mark. And so he's, he's pretty there. much elite. And, and that matters. Yeah, honestly, that's that's amazing. I think if he went to Tampa Bay, he could literally be what James White did last year. Just pure consistency oh, every single game. James White yes. in half PPR, full PPR, was probably the most consistent flex you could ever throw in there. He was getting you 10 to 12 points every single game. And sometimes he'd go off and do better. But he was only under 10 points, I think, once or twice uh, in New England. So James White, yeah. obviously, is much smaller. I, I perceive he's much smaller than is, a guy yeah. – like Cam Akers, Cam Akers 5'10 and 217, like you said. But does height really influence um, where you view a guy? Because 5'10, out of all these guys, DeAndre Swift is the only one shorter than 5'10. Everyone else is 5'10. Does, is that like the normal size for a running back? I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, you talk about like kind of the who do you, what sort of um, profile do you want in your every down running backs? And that 215 mark between, uh, between about, you know, five foot 10, five foot 12, or five foot 12, six feet. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of that, that nice little, like that's your ideal three down um, running back type, type player. And um, just going back to your comparison to James White, what it comes down to is trust, right? If, if Cam makers, whether it's, on the field with Tom Brady or, or even with any of the ex- experienced quarterbacks like uh, uh, Philip Rivers, if you have their trust in the backfield that you can catch the ball and that you can protect them, they're yeah. going to continue to get you more and more involved in the game. So Cam Akers, if he goes to the right situation, can be consistent. And it's really it's consistency on a week-to-week basis that really makes a difference in terms of where you want to draft these guys as like a second-round running back or like a six-round running back. If this guy's putting up a consistent 15 points a week, you're going to probably consider him and with one of your early picks. And having that, that low or that high floor because you can catch the ball and get that, that half a point or a full point in PPR, that makes a big difference. For sure. Okay. Okay. Now, something I brought up in every other video as well is the team total yard percentage for these guys. Cam Akers is 26.5, which is the third highest out of the four. But I argue that this number is very important. But I, I argue if he was on a better team, he would have so many more yards. Like that line was better. Yeah. He'd probably be up there with Dobbins and Taylor at 32 plus. So, what do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but. You just, we just wonder how many times he pretty much like ran into a wall at the line of scrimmage just because his offensive line wasn't able to let him get his feet moving. And um, that was one of the things I actually liked about Cam Akers was that um, because he's so stout, he's got um, a very strong um, just lower body in general that he's the kind of guy that when you're on the one yard line and you're pretty much goal to go, 
he can get you that extra half a yard with his legs, just pretty much churning and not stopping moving those legs. And so, yeah, I mean, the 26.5, I think that's pretty good on a better team. You could also argue that maybe there's more competition to get all of those touches. So it's, it's sometimes tough to really um, justify that. But the fact that he's got literally over a quarter of the entire team's total yards, that makes an absolute difference for sure. Yeah, for sure. And no. the thing is, it also provides context when you're looking at total rush yards, right? I mean, yeah. J.K. Dobbins had over over 2,000 rush yards, whereas Cam Akers had only 1,146. But yet he still had 26% of the team. So it helps provide context for other metrics that we look at. Yeah. Now, another stat I want to bring up real quick. I, mean, I haven't even brought this up in any other video, but it's touches per fumble. So we had 87 touches per fumble. He fumbled the ball three total times. Does that worry you at all? Because it would not worry me at all because of how shit the line was. Like, we've talked about this a million times. Like, he has no chance sometimes when he's fumbling the ball. No, I mean, obviously a higher number is better. I mean, this is actually, again, we're just comparing the top four prospects. He's second. Um, yeah. Number one was J.K. Dobbins with 107. He's mm-hmm. with 87. But that's pretty good. He only had three fumbles last year. Um, obviously zero is the best number, but it's yeah. not always realistic. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to scare you off from. Okay. That's good. Because I don't know, some guys that I just worry about them having like fumbling problems. Like we talked about Chris Carson, in another video, you'll get benched. If you, if this guy ends up in yeah. Seattle, Pete Carroll will chew his gum and then chew you out and bench you because he, he does not give a fuck. If you fumble the ball, he will sit you down yeah. regardless of your talent. So that's obviously a worry. Although I would argue Chris Carson fumbled the ball way too often and still got on the freaking field, but mm-hmm. that's also because of a lack of options. Yeah, it's because Penny just was in the injury tent. He, he loves that blue injury tent. So, yeah, I think that Cam Akers is going to be obviously a very great talent in the NFL. We hope he goes in the first two days because if he doesn't, yeah. then his his stocks in fantasy literally will, sky, will hit the bottom. It'll go from the top straight to the bottom of the earth if someone else gets drafted. Yeah above him like any of those other guys that people like talking about like booger's son maybe <laughs> obviously he's not that good but <laughs> he's just the one of those Anthony names McFarland. I would... yeah i love that guy yeah, he's a sick yeah. hairdo but you got anything else on uh cam makers no i mean look just to kind of put a bow on um all four of these these running back prospects i think that in your rookie dynasty leagues assuming these guys go to you know reasonable situations don't overthink it um, these guys will provide an immediate jolt to your team. Whether you're strong at running back or weak at running back, I think that you go for the best player available, especially around one of these rookie draft picks. Um, my, I would say the top four picks should be four running backs. And mm-hmm. pick your poison in terms of who you want to be. I mean, I would argue JT is number one. But for these next three guys, whoever you like the best, pull, pull the trigger on them. Um, don't overthink it too much because it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's your dynasty team. You yeah. want to like the players that you're drafting. So if you're trying to, you know, you would probably maybe go Cam Akers over J.K. Dobbins. Um, again, everything being equal. Whereas I would maybe go J.K. Dobbins over Cam Akers, but, you know, go for the guy that you like and that you're excited to watch. And frankly, all four of these guys are going to be exciting to watch at the next yeah, one. Now, one last thing real quick. So if you're in a super flex league, do you think Joe Burrow and Tua before these guys like 100% of the time, or would you go with say Taylor over a guy like Tua or Burrow? I mean, Tua has injury concerns, but. Well, listen, so if it it was me and I I generally only play in super flex leagues now, Um, I'm in a few non super flex leagues that I've just been playing in for a long time, but Generally speaking, if there's a guy like Joe Burrow and he's just that that elite talent, then you're probably 
doing yourself a disservice to not draft him at the 101. But between him and Jonathan Taylor, I think there's a, at least a conversation. Um, Joe Burrow is probably going to start in week one, which means he's going to have an immediate impact to your team. Yeah. But I think it's a conversation between Jonathan Taylor and Joe Burrow. So for me, if I'm just ranking um, in Superflex, I'm probably going Joe Burrow at, at the 101. Then I'm probably going to go Jonathan Taylor at the two. And then very likely Tua at the three. The only risk with a guy like Tua is just the fact that there is, there's just that general uncertainty with the hip, right? I mean, at the combine, it showed that he was progressing and that there's likely, you know, you look at some of these, um, these doctors that, that like Dr. David Chow, for example, and he would, he's basically saying that he doesn't expect there to be a long-term impact on his career, which means Mm -hmm. you can probably trust him long-term. He's not going to be one of these guys that's going to be injured. and He's going to be class for his entire career. That injury isn't necessarily going to lead to further injuries. So I would argue Tua probably at three, and then I would go the next three running backs, and then I would probably go Justin Herbert. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I would round it out, yeah. Okay, so do you got anything else on him, or are we we good here? No, I think we're good. All right, so thank you to Shane, obviously, for coming on. Shane is on the Flex Network, I've said before. All of his links are down below in the description. If you guys enjoyed, please click that subscribe button as well. Shane will probably be back for some more videos in the offseason. I may even come on their podcast eventually, if they would be so kind to let me on. So thank you, guys. Thank you guys all for watching. I love you all. Make sure to tell your loved ones you love them because this coronavirus shit is fucked up and you never know what's going to happen at the end of the day. So I love you all. Have a great rest of your day. Goodbye.